We are so glad that you are with us today. If you will, turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. We're going to continue in our study of Romans today. Uh, as he mentioned, uh, Jay and Allie, I feel like I'm way up front. I'm going to scoot back just a little bit. Uh, Jay and Allie are in Decatur uh, celebrating what I like to call Dugapalooza. Uh, we, had, we had Pumpkin Palooza uh, you know, here. We had, they're having a Dugapalooza. Uh, Jay's home church is Decatur Baptist. Uh, Brother Doug Ripley was there for... I don't know how many years, Jonathan, uh, a lot. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, did, a, did an awesome work for God there over many years. Uh, and you can tell because of the people that came through that pro, through discipleship ministry there and through that church. Uh, most of the guys that we see at discipleship conference, uh, this past, this one that they just had uh, for certainty conference, Joe McKegg, James DeCoker, uh, these are all guys that came through at Decatur Baptist at one time. So, uh, just just a testimony to his ministry uh, and his um, following God's leadership. So they are celebrating that. I think they'll be back sometime this afternoon. Or actually, I think they're there all day. So it'll be sometime tonight. So that's why I'm up here. So all right. So um, you know, we've been studying this and kind of going through um, chapter eight or chapter seven. Uh, of Romans last or a couple weeks ago, chapter eight we started last week. The last few weeks we've kind of looked at the conflict between the flesh and the spirit. Um, last week we saw that our mind can affect our walk. Uh, we can either go after the flesh or we can go after the spirit. And uh, as Jonathan talked about in our lesson today, whatever we sow to uh, in Sunday school, whatever we sow to, that's what we're going to reap. So wherever we go, if we go after the flesh or we go after the spirit, then that's what we can expect. And we'll talk about that a little more today. Uh, today we're going to continue that thought by looking at the contrast between them. But we're also going to look at some of the characteristics of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so that's kind of our thought today. Um, so with that being said, I'm going to pray. Uh, actually, let's read first and then we'll pray. Let's do that, Derek. Uh, let's go. You titled the lesson. Go back one second. Now, if you notice, it said ifs, ands, or buts. We know the phrase, no ifs, ands, or buts, right? We all, well, today you're going to see these three phrases throughout this passage. We have several ifs, ands, or buts. So that's, that's why we're going to talk about this today. And those are all conditional statements. Ifs and then ands are, are kind of joining those, image, joining those phrases. And then we have a but, which we, those are basically what we're going to talk about today. So it says in chapter 8 of Romans, let's start in verse 9. It says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. You're seeing a pattern here, I'm hoping. But if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, 
heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also, we may also, me may be also glorified together. Let's pray. Dear God, we love you. Uh, thank you for your word. I thank you for the fact that it can change lives, it can change hearts, uh, it can point us to uh, salvation, it can point us to reconciliation, it can point us uh, to the fact that uh, we can't do this on our own, dear God. You've given us a road map of how we should live our lives and according to your, your will and your, and your plan for our lives, dear God. And I pray that as we hear today uh, that we see the, the things that your Holy Spirit, some of the characteristics of it, uh, of him and what he can do in our lives, dear God, I pray that uh, we would just be mindful of that fact. Maybe uh, today uh, we're not saved. Uh, maybe we, when I talk about the Holy Spirit, maybe we don't know what we're talking about. Uh, but I pray today that that will be clear, uh, that you would get me out of the way, that your Holy Spirit would teach us today, that he would be the teacher, that he would just give me the words to say. Uh, I'm not worthy to be standing up here, uh, but you are so worthy, dear God. And we can hear from you today if I will just be obedient to what you'd have uh, for us today, dear God. And help us as we hear to just do uh, what you want us to do is uh, say yes, Lord. Uh, we thank you for the time. All these things we ask in Christ's precious name. Amen. All right, so the first thing that we're going to look at today, uh, and Derek, I told Derek before we started today, he's gonna, he, he had to stretch his finger out because we got a lot, of, a lot of slides today, so you pray for him as well. First thing we'll look at is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, all the, the answers will be brought to you by the letter I today. So verse 9 says, if... The Spirit of God dwelled in you. And obviously that's a conditional statement. Uh, first of all, Paul is trying to identify who his audience is. And so who he's talking to is saved people. He's talking to brethren. You're going to see that. Uh, but he's also asking them to check up, uh, to judge between themselves if they are saved, if they truly have the Spirit of God dwelling in you. And you may think, about, well, Maybe this is a new concept to you. Let's look at Colossians 1.27. It says, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. So it was a mystery. It says, Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Um, to think that Jesus Christ balled himself up, the creator of this universe, and put himself in our hearts and lives inside of us if we're saved. Only God can do something like that. Only God can do something like that. Uh, you know, and that's, again, that's one of the awesome things that Jesus does in our lives. 1 John four thirteen. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us his spirit. Uh, we can know today that we're saved. We can know because we have his Holy Spirit living inside of us, directing our path. And it is, the next blank is the spirit of Christ. How do we know that? Well, let's look at Scripture. Uh, I, you, I know you don't believe me, and I don't believe myself a lot of times, but I believe this word. Uh, Philippians 1, 19 and 20 says this, For I know that this shall turn my salvation through prayer and the supply of the Spirit, capital, of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in so now... That in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with boldness, all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. And so we're going to see this a little later. I'm kind of giving you, I'm going to give you some of the answers ahead of time. Christ, if we have his Holy Spirit living inside of us, it should be magnified to other people. It should be clear 
that we have His Spirit living inside of us. 1 Peter 1, 10 and 11, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of the time of Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Do you guys, do you realize how special it is? He didn't give His Holy Spirit to Moses. He didn't give it to Abraham. He didn't give it to them, and he let it rest on them, but he didn't let it inside of them. Do you realize how special we are? That what he did for us. First key, the spirit that rested on the Old Testament prophets, the spirit that lives inside of you, if you are truly born again, is the same spirit, the spirit of Jesus Christ dwelling inside of you. What an awesome thing. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says this, For by one Spirit, one Spirit, are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. Uh, Praise the Lord. Uh, The Holy Spirit's awesome, guys. He really is. Uh, The next thing we look at in verse 10, it says that the body is, if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. So we will look at this phrase, the body is dead because of sin. Do you realize that if you're saved today, I'm looking at a bunch of dead people? You should be dead. You should be dead. Uh, We should be letting Christ live through us. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I'll live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So, you know, Jay always, I can remember when I first started here, and he started discipling me, he said, you know, I would, somebody would come in and, you know, upset me or whatever. None of you guys, of course, this was before that. But, uh, <laughs> and he would say, well, dead men don't get offended. So if you find yourself getting offended a lot, uh, maybe you should start looking in the mirror to see if you're truly dead. Or if you've, pulled, you've come down off of that cross, um, you, you're, you know, just saying. I have to do that a lot. Um, next thing that we want to see is, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Uh, Psalm 24, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Psalm 71, 16 says this, I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of thy righteousness, even of thine only. Uh, I think a lot of times, especially in uh, Laodicea, we want to try to do ministry in our power, in our strength. We want to talk about all the things that we've done. We should be talking about what all God's done. It's just about His righteousness. I think the, one of the things that we kind of run into uh, is we, we start getting full of ourselves. Uh, maybe that we're somebody, you know. Isaiah 64, 6 says that our righteousness is as what? Filthy rags. It says that we are unclean. It can only be through God's righteousness that he, Romans 4.11, has imputed to us. It says, and we talked about this uh, in Romans chapter 4. He received the sign of circumcision. We're talking about Abraham, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them. The them is us also. Philippians 3.9, and be found in him. This is Paul, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that through that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is God by faith. Paul had it right. Uh, Paul could have talked about um, 
his background. He, he trained at the feet of Gamaliel, it says. That he was, he was, you know, the, he was the zealous. And he was blameless, it says in the law. Uh, but he didn't, all that he counted as dung, it says, if he goes on. Uh, and it was only God and Jesus Christ's righteousness. Verse 11 says this. It says, that, but if the spirit of him that raised, him, raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Uh, and obviously it uses that word quicken. And I hope we all, y'all know what that means, right? If you ever cut your fingernail off too far, you get in the quick, right? And it feels really good, right? Uh, <laughs> Well, that just shows you that pain shows you that you're alive, that you've got some nerve endings there, and, and that you're feeling. Well, that's where that word, that's what that phrase comes from. Uh, John six sixty three says this: "It is the spirit that quickeneth; the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life." First Peter three eighteen: For Christ also has once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh but quickened by the Spirit. Uh, when, we were, when we were saved, when, when we accepted Christ as our Savior, He quickened our bodies. He quickened our souls that were dead because of sin. I'm so thankful for that. But one day, He's going to raise us up. That same power is going to raise us up at the rapture of the church. Or, if we go to the grave first, He's going to raise us up. And that same Spirit is the Spirit, is the spirit of resurrection. Number two, it's the influence of the Holy Spirit. I hope you're under the influence of the Holy Spirit today. Uh, you know, He's wanting to be uh, influencing you. Uh, the first thing, next thing we'll look at is verse 12. It says, Therefore, brethren, uh, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. And I went back and looked at this. Uh, you know, when we think of a debt, it's something that's paid. It's something that uh, we owe somebody something, right? Uh, and we always talking about Jesus paying our sin debt. We use that phrase. Uh, well, if you actually look up sin debt in the Bible, it's not there. Uh, so we have to understand where those two phrases are kind of um, put together. Luke eleven four, 4, in the prayer that Jesus tried to teach his disciples, it says, and forgive us our sins, semicolon, for we also forgive everyone that is what? Indebted to us. So sin is equivalent with death, is what he's trying to say, or with debts, debt, excuse me. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Uh, Colossians 1, when, we talk, when he talked about sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, that we could receive the redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, or the forgiveness of debt. Uh, when you redeem something, that means that you pay whatever was owed on it, and you take it home. Uh, right? If you've ever take, taken something to the pawn shop, then you, you, know, you pay that ticket and you get whatever you had, right? Well, that's what happened. Uh, Christ put down earnest money, money for us on the cross, uh, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Uh, so sin is equivalent with debt. And we're not debtors to the flesh, it says. We don't want to be debtors not to the flesh, is what it said in that scripture. Uh, why would we not want to be debtors to the flesh? Well, because the flesh can't pay anything. Uh, Romans 7, 8 says this, For I know that in me, parentheses, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Romans 8, 8 says this, So then that they are in the flesh cannot please God. Period. 
your flesh, like we said, uh, it's, we're, it's, does, does, it's of no benefit. That's why it should be dead. Uh, and then we talked about this, you know, basically in verse 13, if it says, if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. And what I love about the King James Bible, number one, because it's inerrant, it's, in, it's, it's uh, totally accurate. Number two is it uses these words like shall, you know, might. So when you see the word shall, that means it's crystal clear that if you do this, this happens. Because it says shall. It doesn't say you might. It, says, it doesn't say you may live. You shall live. It says if you live after the flesh, guess what? You die. Romans 8, 5 says this. For they that are after the flesh, we saw this last week, do mind the things of the flesh. Uh, y'all, you guys realize that the things that you look at affects your thinking? I mean, it really does. And when it, if it affects your thinking, then you start to just kind of easily start migrating over to whatever you look at, whether it be the flesh or whether it be the spirit. Uh, and, you know, you're going to turn your feet unto something. Uh, it says, but they that are after the spirit... Uh, the things of the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves or to the flesh, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So once we have Jesus Christ dwelling within us, then that should be influencing where we're putting our feet and where we're moving to. Um, because if it doesn't, it's pretty clear. It says, maybe you'll die. No, it says, ye shall die. Now, what are we talking about? Are we talking about physical death? Are we talking about spiritual death? Let's go back and look at this. Genesis 2, 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, if you remember Adam and Eve, uh, thou shalt not eat. God told them exactly what to do, told them what not to do. There was one thing that they weren't supposed to do. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. He told that, he's speaking to Adam. So Adam and Eve eat of the apple, or maybe it's an apple. It says, you know, uh, you know, it says fruit. Um, did he die that day? No, he lived a long time after that. I think he lived nine hundred and something years. Couldn't ask Corey later; he knows all that. But um, he lived a long time. I know he didn't die that day. So, what we were talking about when Jesus was, or God was speaking to him, he said that it's spiritual death he says thou shalt surely die he died in his soul and in his spirit that day um, and so it was a spiritual death that he experienced now what are we talking about here uh, Paul remember is speaking to believers right he says if you live after the flesh ye shall die yes, we're not talking about a spiritual death there because we're talking to believers they're saved he is talking about physical death though 1 John 5, 16 says this, If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. Now, okay, there is a sin unto death. It's pretty clear. I can think of several, one example where believers dropped like that. Uh, Acts 5, remember Ananias and Sapphira? Uh, they, had, they had all come together, and they was, he had sold a piece of land, and he lied about it. Uh, Paul or Peter called him out on it. He lied again. He dropped right then. His wife comes in a few hours later. You know, 
Where's Ananias? Well, Peter said, uh, hey, how much did you sell that, la- that piece of land for? Well, she lies about it too. Guess what? She dropped too. So, you know, there is a sin unto death. Uh, if you continue to rebel against the Lord, if you continue to experience chastening, uh, God will take you out. If you, if you continue to rebel against him, because I believe that some people, I believe that you get to a point where you're not doing him any good on this earth, and you're just causing him shame, you know, just saying. Um, but you can, how can you live? It says, but if you mortify the deeds of the body. So you kill either one thing. You kill either, uh, you die yourself or you mortify the members. Colossians 3, 5, 9 says this, Mortify therefore your members, uh, your body parts, which are upon the earth, the things that they commit. And here they are. Uh, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God com- cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. He's talking to saved people, folks. But now... Ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not to one, one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. So these are the things that we have to eliminate. And not just sweep them over in the closet and pull them out when, we, you know, when somebody makes us mad. It says to kill it, mortify it. If you kill it, then it's not coming back. Uh, that's what we have to do. Um, and it says if you do that, you shall live. Hmm. John 10.10 10 says this. Uh, the thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come, this is Jesus speaking, that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. I can remember when I first got saved and, you know, everybody seemed so happy all the time. Uh, you know, uh, it was, uh, you know, I was like, why is everybody so sad all the time, you know? Well, I, didn't see, I didn't see any joy. I didn't see any happiness for people that were supposedly saved. And I know some, pe- some people probably maybe say that. Uh, we may catch ourselves doing that sometimes. We ought to be the most happy people on the planet. Uh, we should if we're walking in the Spirit. God came and gave His Son that we should have life more abundantly. Uh, Galatians 6, 8 says this, For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. That's not everlasting life there. That's life everlasting. I'm not saying that this is going to be your best life now, but you can walk in the Spirit and do everything in your power to let Jesus uh, live and, and breathe through you, and you can see souls saved now. Uh, it does matter what you do now. First Peter two twenty four. Who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live under righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. So the next key for you today: the only way to mortify the deeds of the body is to be walking in the Spirit. Now I'm not you know that's the only way to truly do it the way God wants it done. I'm not talking about some legalistic thing. Uh, you know, they did that uh, in the early church. They were punishing, you know, uh, mutilating themselves and, and trying not to do certain things and thinking they were holy and spiritual. You walk in the Spirit. 
uh, and you mortify the deeds of the body. Why? Galatians 5.16 says this, This I say then, walk in the Spirit. Here's another one of those um, emphatic statements. Ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Can't do both at the same time, folks. If you're walking in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, and vice versa. Uh, you can't split it down the middle. Why? Um, because if we are truly walking in the Spirit, truly walking in the Spirit, then we will have the same hatred for sin that God has. Think about that for a minute. Because the Holy Spirit at that time is leading our path. We are walking where God wants us to walk. When we see somebody uh, sinning, when, we, when it comes across our path, we're not going to rejoice in it. We're going to say that, thus saith the Lord, that's sin. Uh, and I'm not saying doing it in a judgmental fashion where you're you know, um, beating them over the head with it. But what I'm saying, when we have a stance to make, and whether we're going to participate in it or not, then we choose not to participate in it. Uh, Proverbs 6, 16, 18. These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, and a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies. And just for good measure, he throws this last one, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Mm. So if we find ourselves doing that last one, or any of them for that matter, stop it. Uh, Psalm 119, 104, Though, through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. So if we're truly walking in the Spirit, if we're letting this word get into our hearts, there's going to be some things we're going to turn off the TV. There are going to be some things that we're not going to look at. There are going to be some th- things that we may be thinking, but we're not going to say. You know, I'm just saying. It ought to change how we live. It really should. That, I'm preaching to myself here too, folks. If we're letting the Holy Spirit lead us, it should change our behavior. I'm just saying. Number three. Uh, I'm getting, we're going through here pretty fast. You're doing good, Derek. So the inheritance of the Holy Spirit. Well, I'm going to up your pay after this. So. The inheritance of the Holy Spirit. Verse 14. I love this. Uh, it says... For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Uh, Man, what an awesome thing that we're going to get into right now. So it says the sons of God. Do you realize today that you, sitting here, are a son and daughter of God if you've been born again? Man, that ought to make somebody shout and rejoice. It should. For as many as received him, to them gave he power. To become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. First uh, John 3, 1 and 2. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, love this. Here's another one of those emphatic statements. Now are we the sons of God. Now, present day, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Uh, Already today, positionally, if you're saved, you are a son and daughter of God. Live like it. I'm telling you, it ought to change the way you live. Why? 
Because we have not received the spirit of bondage. Keep going there, Derek. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit of bondage. So there is a spirit of bondage, and it's a little s. And it goes back to Exodus. And this is the first mention of this word bondage. Uh, when the Israelites came over into Egypt, uh, it says, And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage, in mortar, and in brick, and all manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. Egypt is a picture of the world in the Bible. It's a picture of sin. Uh, Galatians is another word, use of this word bondage. It says, even so we, so we, when, we weren't saved, when we, in times past, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. Uh, Ephesians 2.2 2 says this, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. What Paul's trying to say is we shouldn't be walking in these things anymore. Because if we are, then we're not being led by the spirit of God. We are being controlled by the G, little g of this world, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine unto them. So, you know, as Peter says, we're returning in back to our vomit. And I don't know if you've ever watched that. That's gross. You ever seen a, a dog return? I'm telling you. You know, you didn't know you were getting a biblical lesson there when you saw a dog do that. But I'm telling you, that's what we do and how sickening it is. For the, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And so the next point, it says that we've not received the spirit of bondage to fear. Fear goes in your blank there. And, you know, I've really, I think we live in a, such a fearful society today. You know, you can turn on the news and it's, it's somebody's getting shot, somebody's getting, uh, you know, kids are getting abducted, you know, all these different things. Uh, it's just, it's, it's really a sad time to live, just to be honest. And everybody's afraid. And everybody's afraid of their shadow a lot of times. Uh, well, I'm telling you today that that is not from God. Uh, you know, you can be mindful of these things and be alert, but you don't have to fear them. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Uh, he, that's what God wants for us. He wants all those things. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2.12 says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the Spirit, which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. And so, you know, you might find yourself trying to read this Bible and things just, it's just not clicking. You know, you're just not, it, we have to clear our mind. We have to, you know, I, I would really make a suggestion to all of you. Pray before you read. You know, uh, get, get alone for a few minutes and say, God, what do you have for me today? You know, Clear your heart and clear your mind so that you can clearly hear what he has for you. Because uh, you can know this is free. You know, Jonathan talked about that in Sunday school today. There's no shortage of Bibles. There's no shortage of God's word. Uh, man, it's freely given to us. We've just got to take it in. Uh, you know, especially at this church. You know, we do things, things like 52 weeks of pursuit and lay it out for you. 
You know, you don't even have, I mean, really. And then you've got commentary by Mark Trotter. Uh, we don't really have any excuses today. We really don't. Uh, we are truly blessed uh, in this church. So, um, And we have not received that spirit of fear. We've received the spirit of God. 1 John 4, 4 says this, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. You can have victory today over the things that you're scared of. You can have victory of the things that you walk in fear of. Because if you have Jesus Christ, he's more powerful than all those things. You know, and I'm not saying don't take your medicine. I'm not saying, you know, go do whatever. Because God can use those things too. But what I am saying is that Jesus Christ can give you the power to overcome anything that you have in your life that you're facing today. He can. You just have to be willing to accept that. But, and this is, I love this but, the spirit of adoption, this is what we have received. You know, when Nicole and I talked about, uh, I, I caught you there. Uh, Nicole and I talked about, you know, before we decided to have more kids, we actually talked about adopting kids uh, at one time, and we still kind of joke around about it. I think she, at this point, I think we're good, though, so. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, hey, who knows? But, <laughs> you know my twins, you're, you're, we're good, so. Um, what an awesome thing. I don't know if anybody here is adopted. Uh, you don't have to, I'm not asking you to raise your hand, but what I am saying is that somebody would choose. You know, it's one thing to have a child, uh, you know, through intimacy, but to take a child and actually say, I want you, when nobody else wanted that child, that's a beautiful thing. Jesus Christ did the same thing for us, folks. Galatians 4 5 says this to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Ephesians 1.5 says this, Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. We're accepted today, folks. I'm telling you, it's powerful. Mm. Galatians 3.26 says this, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. And it uses this term, it's called Abba. And this is not a pop group from the 70s. Uh, Jonathan was about to start dancing. Um, this, is only, this phrase is only used two times other than this, you know, three times total in Scripture. Uh, and it's always followed by the word Abba, comma, Father. Mark fourteen thirty six. Jesus said this when he's going to the cross. He's there in the garden. Uh, the disciples have, have all forsaken him. Uh, they fell asleep. He said, and he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what, what thou wilt. Galatians 4, 6. Because ye are sons... God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Next key. God wants to have the same relationship with you that he has with Paul and he has it with his only begotten son. Can you, can you think, does that even register for you today? That he wants to give, he wants to take you, me, as filthy as I am, and bring you alongside Paul, 
bring him beside your own, his only begotten son? Do you realize how special that is, folks? And verse 16 says this, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. 1 John 5, 6, This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. Uh, you know, we always talk about uh, the Holy Spirit agreeing with our spirit, kind of a, a great indicator of whether you're saved or not. Uh, well, if the Holy Spirit agrees with your spirit that you're saved, that's two witnesses, right? That is the biblical determination of whether something is a thing or not. Uh, De- Deuteronomy 19.15, One witness shall not rise up against a, man, against a man for any iniquity or for any sin. In any sin that he sinneth, at the mouth of two witnesses or at the mouth of three witnesses shall the matter be established. 2 Corinthians 13.1, This is the third time come to you, and the mouth of two or three witness, witnesses shall every word be established. So you have the Holy Spirit agreeing with your spirit that you are saved. That's two witnesses. Uh, and there ought to be some agreement there. If there's not, then either, number one, you're not saved. Number two, you're out of the will of God. You're backslidden. It's that simple. Uh, and it says that if the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit, then we are the children of God. First John 3.10 says this, In this the children of God are manifest or made known, or magnified, we used that word earlier, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. Man, we ought to live different. People ought to be able to see it. Luke 6, 43 and 44 says this, For a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither doth doth a corrupt tree bringeth forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. There ought to be some evidence of those things in our lives, folks. There should. Uh, you know, I can, one of the, I can remember one of the things I heard a lot growing up. If it walks like a duck... And talks like a duck, it's a duck, right? If it doesn't walk like a duck, and it doesn't talk like a duck, it's probably not a duck. And so, you know, what I'm saying is, again, and I, you know, as humbly and as, as humbly as I can say it, if you don't have these things in your life, you better check up. And I'm not saying you're not saved. I've been, I've been so far backslidden in my life, I had none of these things. None of them. And, you know, I had to go back to God's Word. Because I didn't have any evidence of these things, these things in my life. And you may not either. Uh, if you're not following God the way you're supposed to be following Him, you won't have them. And so you, you, you better go back to God's Word or you're going to have a lot of doubt. Uh, you're going to have a lot of doubt. And so... To not have any doubt in your life, have these things in your life. It's very clear. You walk after the Spirit, you're not going to be walking around doubting whether you're saved or not. You know? Um, because I just got to believe what God says. And there's evidence. There's fruit. 
there's things in my life. You know, I'm not saying I got them all, but I got a, I got a few at this point. I'm getting there. You know, and we all ought to be making progress at, at some point. You know, uh, verse 17, it says that if we are children, if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be, we may be also glorified together. And obviously, if we're children, you know, anybody ever inherited anything? Yeah? When somebody dies, they leave you something, right? And you have to go, and uh, everybody argues over what they, what they all had and, you know, all that good stuff. I've never been left anything, so I've been left out as far as that goes. But I do have an inheritance from God, uh, and I'm going to get that one day. Uh, I'm an heir of God because I'm a child of God. It says, Wherefore, thou art no more, Galatians 4, 7, Wherefore, thou art no more a servant but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. And again, it's not through our righteousness. It's through Christ and what he did on the cross. Titus 3, 7, That we being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Now, you know, I've been trying to get you to hopefully understand how special Christ is in you. Not that we're special, but we've been, you know, he has really blessed us. To think not only are we considered an heir of God, but you're a joint heir with Christ. Are you kidding me? I mean, really? Me? You? Think about that. The holy, spotless Son of God, and I'm an heir with Him? That's crazy. And only God can do something like that. The Bible says that, you know, with God, anything is possible. Uh, Hebrews 11, 9, by faith, he sojourned, this is Abraham, in the land of promises in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. James 2, 5, hearken, my beloved brethren, uh, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? Man. It's, it's just an awesome thing that one day uh, we are going to receive an inheritance. Uh, you know, I always thought about, you know, because when I was a kid, they always talked about Jesus being a carpenter. And I always pictured, you know, it says, I, you know, in my house, in my, uh, or many mansions, and I've, I've prepared them for you. I always thought about that. What would that mansion look like? You know, and I always thought about some of the houses that we see. Can you imagine that Jesus Christ has made you a mansion? And how special, there's not going to be anything out of joint. You know, everything's going to be level. Which, you know, if you're a house, you know, anybody that's in the construction, nothing's level anymore. Uh, everything's going to be level. Everything's going to be perfect because Jesus did it. Uh, and, he's, you know, he's prepared that for each one of us uh, if we know him today, uh, if we know him. And lastly, uh, it says that we can be glorified together. Uh, look at that verse again, verse 17. It says, And if children and heirs, heirs of God, and join heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we be, may be also glorified together. And this is where we kind of end on a, um, you know, a challenging note, I would say, because suffering equals glorification. And nobody wants to suffer, you know, uh, because that's not fun. But it says, the Bible is very clear. If you're going to be glorified, you know, if you're going to glorify your father and you're going to glorify your son, uh, glorify his son, excuse me, then you're going to have to suffer some. 
that I may know him, Philippians 3.10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Uh, but rejoice, 1 Peter 4.13, inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. And so, you know, obviously, nobody in here is going to get crucified. You know, nobody in here is going to probably be beat with a, with a whip uh, for what they believe or what they say. But to be a follower of Christ, it says that you're going to have to lay down, you know, you're going to have to take up the cross and you're going to have to follow him. So there's going to be some things in your life, if you're going to follow him, that just aren't going to be much fun. Um, but you're going to, if you want Jesus to be glorified, then you're going to have to suffer for his sake. Uh, and if you start suffering a little bit for his sake, you know, and that can be a lot of things. That can be staying up later to read and really seeing what God has for you. Um, standing up here to do this when you're not really comfortable doing it. Uh, maybe teaching a class when you're not comfortable doing that. Uh, maybe taking up 52 weeks. And, and taking the time to read, uh, maybe going out in community outreach when you're not comfortable speaking to people. Are we willing to do those things? I'm just, I'm just saying, guys. There's got to be sometimes where you know we put down, uh, we put down, we turn off the Netflix, we turn off, and we do the things that God has called us to do. If we really want to see uh, souls saved, if we really want to see God glorified, then it can't be about us anymore. It can't. It really can't. And Colin, I want you to come right now. We're going to close. I'm, i got three minutes. So, um, you know, I would say this. My first question. Are we saved? That's my first question. I mean, do, do we look at our life, and does the Spirit agree with our spirit? Do we have the Spirit of Christ living inside of us? That's our first question today. Second question, if we do have the Holy Spirit, again, if, conditionally, are we letting him lead us, are we still walking after the flesh? Are we dragging the Holy Spirit down every, you know, filthy thing in this world? Just dragging him along for the ride? I'm telling you. Third question, as a believer, do we realize that we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ? And if so, are we willing to suffer so he can be glorified? Let's pray. Dear God, we love you.